If you have a child with type 1 diabetes, whether they were diagnosed five days ago or five years ago, you continue to have questions. These are the questions about the emotional side of living with diabetes, the questions about how to parent diabetes. I'm Joanne Robb, a psychotherapist and fellow T1D mom, and I've been parenting diabetes for almost 15 years. In this podcast, I'm here to answer your questions about the emotional and relational challenges that come with being a caregiver for a child with type 1 diabetes. Before we dive in, I have to remind you that I'm not a doctor and nothing that I offer here should be considered medical advice. If you want to make any changes to the way you or your child is managing their type 1, please be sure to check in with your doctor or medical team. Let's get started. Hi, Joanne. I'm calling about my 16-year-old son um, who was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes just over a year ago, July 1st of 2021, Mm -hmm. and um, he was 15 years old at that time. We were diagnosed completely out of the blue. Mm -hmm. I did not pick up on any symptoms that he had. I thought all of his symptoms were typical teenager, irritability, sleeping in. It was summertime. I thought he was dehydrated. I was making him drink more. So he was going to the bathroom a little bit more. But we discovered it at a regular checkup. I had taken him to the doctor to get a physical before camp. You know, he did the whole peed in a cup and they found, you know, high sugar and checked his blood and then sent us straight to the emergency room um, to confirm with the A1C. So then we spent three days in the hospital, fast track of this is your life is going to change and here's how you manage it. And this is all you need to know. And then I felt like we were turned out into the deep water a little bit, but um, we're doing really well now. We're doing well managing the diabetes. We're all still having a hard time with, but particularly him, is accepting A, the permanence of this life-altering, you know, lifetime diagnosis, and he is still not open about it with anyone. He will not share it with any of his friends um, or peers. That was my main question because I go back and forth on what we should do about this because part of me is like, first of all, how does a 16-year-old announce this big information to friends? It requires a level of vulnerability that I'm not sure he has at 16 with his friends. And how are they supposed to react? They don't understand the depth of this, but also there's a safety aspect that I need people to know when I'm not around what the right answer is. Yeah. And and there is no right answer, right? There are lots Mm -hmm. of answers. And I love your tenderness towards him. Like I can hear how you can really understand that it would take a level of vulnerability that he is unfamiliar with having to access with friends, right? That that doesn't really work. And you're very attuned. Like there's no 16 year old, there's practically no adults who understand what this means, right? So if he were Mm -hmm. to tell his friends, it would be a little meaningless in some way. So some of the question becomes around safety. And you did ask two questions here. One is about him accepting the permanence of it and the difficulty he's having with that. How are you talking to him about the permanence of it? Matter of factly, you know, the reality of it. And we try to talk about it in a positive way Mm -hmm. about how healthy he is and is going to continue to be because he's managed by a doctor constantly, you know, and will be consistently through his life. He will has a higher chance of staying healthy and catching any other conditions or, you know, health issues. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, just acknowledging this is long term, this is Mm -hmm. forever. And it's hard to wrap our brain around. Yeah, of course. 
I think it's a really normal instinct for parents to want to come in and reassure kids and also point out, like, look how much better it is than it would have been a hundred years ago. Look, you're not dead. (laughs) I remember wanting to do that when my son was diagnosed because I felt agitated by his depression around it. He was much younger at diagnosis, but it was super agitating to me, right? Like I needed him somehow. That's okay. It's upsetting. It makes a person sad. It makes sense. You are sad for him. Yeah, we are. Yeah, of course you are. There's no way to not be. We parents want to fast forward them through all that pain. And I want to name that I think there's a normal process of mourning for all of you. And he probably needs some of your help and permission to have those feelings without you freaking out that he's not going to get through it, which is hard to do. So it's a fake it till you make it moment because you have Mm -hmm. your own distress. I would think about this as an opportunity for really strong validation. And the way I like to structure validation is that you start with a sentence about how it makes so much sense. My sweet child, you know, it, uh-huh. This makes so much sense that you're upset about this. Of course, you're having a hard time accepting the permanence of this. Yeah. And then you want to follow that up with some becauses instead of, but you're not dead, right? What would it have been if you didn't have insulin, right? Which is our instinct. Mm-hmm. We want to do that because mm-hmm. we want them to be okay. Instead of that, you want to say something like, because you've lived your whole beautiful life without having this burden on your back. And it feels like too much and unfair and all the things you imagine he is feeling. So yes. if you are able to really tap into his experience and name it back to him, even if it's your guessing, right, which you mm-hmm. probably would be pretty good at, he will feel seen and calmer. Okay, That doesn't mean it's magically going to go away. No, but I feel like I'm missing some words or I'm missing this formula to validate what he's saying for him to feel seen and mm-hmm. heard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we do, we go over this over and over. And I feel like there's a little bit of, he's reeling. Of course he or is. spiraling. Yes. And so, um, and I know grief, you know, there's no timeline. And so some people may grieve quicker or longer. So I know where we are is normal. But I feel like this will help me just give me a bit of a script to Mm -hmm. talk with him. What I want to recommend to you is if you sign up for my newsletter, occasionally Mm -hmm. I do a free validation webinar and I teach the tool of validation. If you're on there, my newsletter, you will find out when that comes next. Okay. This is the basic structure, but you want to really get a few of those becauses in. So I can recommend to parents that you sit and actually write it out. Really think about what, especially with an issue like this that keeps spiraling around to the exact same thing again and again. You know what's coming. It's not a surprise. And then after that, you get to make the suggestions. And I wouldn't be heavy handed with the suggestions here. I would notice how well he's doing. I would be saying, and you're doing such a great job with such a heavy load. That could be enough, right? Yeah. How does that all feel to address this first question about how hard a time it seems like all of you are having. Like you deserve that too. Of course you're (laughs) sad. This is really painful. It is. (laughs) Um, I think this is a great response. And I'm looking forward to spending time to write this down so that I I just think I can respond to him better. Mm -hmm. 
and make him feel more comfortable and just more validated, like you're yeah. saying. Yeah. And I can see you have a lovely, tender relationship with him. So I think you'll be able to tap into what you imagine his experience is. We're going to take a quick break and be back with more answers. Right now, your child's type 1 diagnosis feels like the biggest blow ever. You feel worried for their health and watchful all the time of pretty much everything, blood sugar, food, exercise. If your child was diagnosed in the last year and you want to get back to the calm and sturdy parent you were before diagnosis, the place to start is with Sweet Talks After Diagnosis coaching program. Designed just for parents like you, by me, a fellow T1D mom and experienced therapist and diabetes coach, After Diagnosis will help you find a faster path to calm. When you're doing better with diabetes, your child will do better too. To find out more, go to diabetessweettalk.courses. Let's jump to this other question about he's still not open about it with every, anyone and safety. So let, let, me, yeah. let me push this back to you. What are you worried about? What's the safety concern? He's 16. He probably, what technology is he on? Any? Yes, he has a Dexcom and a um, T-Slim pump. We can see his numbers. He checks his numbers. I mean, he really is a responsible kid and is taking great care of himself. Unreasonable fears just from reading the information out there. You know, I'm just so afraid that like he's going to have a low and we're not going to be there and someone's going to find him mm-hmm. and it's too late. I think the likelihood of that is almost none. I in no way want to minimize this fear because this is my right. fear too. And I actually also check out my newsletter. I not too long ago wrote one on like what makes a scary low. And I interviewed a few endocrinologists to say like, what are the likelihoods of these terrible things happening? And of course, they can't give me a straight answer because there's always risks, outliers. But both of them basically said the same thing, which is with the technology today, the chance of that is low. I'm summarizing. So part of this is not about safety. It's about emotional comfort, I think. A different kind of safety. Yes. Because if he heads out in the world, like I don't know if he's on a college track or if he's going to do something else, it might be a good idea in college for him to let a roommate know Mm -hmm. what he's beeping, right? Mm -hmm. And when he goes to college, I would really recommend he check in with the disability office because he's going to need some of those supports, right? At the very least... He'll need to be able to not take a test if he's been up all night with lows. Let's just make that scenario, right? right? And the disability office is the place that he's going to have to funnel that through. So some of this is just about him advocating for himself. It's not about safety per se. Like, you know, when he goes to college, you may or may not be still helping him track on his share. So if something happens in the night, you could call him, for example. But if Mm -hmm. he has a roommate... His roommate is going to know because there are going to be beeps going off. That's one place that he might need to talk to somebody. But the other is about him not being alone with it because he Mm -hmm. feels Mm -hmm. like the weirdo. He's cyborg. They all are, right? They're part Mm -hmm. bionic and he feels Mm -hmm. it and he doesn't want to share it. And that's okay and hard for him. My best answer to you, and it's a little tricky at his age, is to find a community where there are a lot of kids with diabetes coming together. If you can find a diabetes family camp that takes kids up to his age, or if he could be Mm -hmm. a CIT there or anything Mm -hmm. that he could do there, I would strongly recommend 
that you try to find an environment to put him in where he Mm -hmm. can be at his age useful with other like kids, because part of it is he feels so other than, and that's Mm -hmm. what creates the shame that makes him hide it. We have tried to get him to go to diabetes camp around here Mm -hmm. and he refuses adamantly. And I've even thought he would be a great CIT Mm -hmm. or counselor. So maybe I'll just keep planting seeds. He'll come around to it. You know what some kids are open to and some parents do is they send their kids to some other diabetes camp. So it's not around here. It's not Mm -hmm. local Mm -hmm. to you because it would be fun to go to Texas or California or, you know, I don't know where the ones are in the Pacific, in the um, the Northeast, but maybe he'd want to make a vacation out of it and that would feel good, right? Like bribery works. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that is an awesome idea. I've mm -hmm. never thought about that. But that's one of his things is like, he doesn't want to, he's in a small school. He has told me he doesn't, he has three more years in school. He does not want to share because he feels like he's stuck in this box. But he feels like when he goes away to college and there's a bigger pool of people, he might be more willing Mm -hmm. to be open about it because if someone rejects him because of it, which Mm -hmm. no one would, but that's his fear. Mm -hmm. He can move to a different circle of friends or make a different circle of friends where In his school, he feels like he can't escape the kids that are there. And the risk is too high for him to be open about it and risk being rejected. Oh, so he has a really hard narrative. Yeah. The other thing I'm going to recommend to you that might feel good to him, I don't know him. He sounds like a very tender, thoughtful kid, is for him to be a babysitter for a T1D kid. Wow. Yeah. Because for him to mentor a young person in that way, is really powerful. It's powerful for both sides. Like I've heard amazing stories about both sides of that Mm -hmm. equation. And I think that that might also uh, create some sense of community for him and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And he would seriously be the superhero for that child. Yeah. Yeah. That is a really cool idea. How's this all feel, Sarah? Anything else? No, this has been very helpful. I appreciate all your advice and helping me process through some of this. Good luck with him. It sounds like you have a lovely relationship. And I think that that's going to be the most important protective thing you've got going on right now. Thank you. Yes. Good luck, my dear. Thank you. You've got questions. I've got answers. If you want to get some help with the emotional and parenting challenges you're facing with navigating diabetes management for your kid, go to www.diabetesweettalk.com and click on the banner at the top of the page to register for a live recording session. I'm looking forward to helping you with whatever your diabetes challenge is. Thanks again for listening today. If you want answers to your questions about parenting a kid with type 1, I'd like to invite you to join our live recording sessions so you can ask your questions in person. Not only will you get the support you need and deserve, but through the podcast, you'll be helping other T1D parents to know that they're not alone with the challenges they're facing. To join one of my live recording sessions, simply go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. Again, go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. 